on the news now, there's a lot of stuff where they're playing audio tapes and on the news. And so they create a graphic that shows, you know, like an audio meter lines going up and down. Right. Yeah. The oscilloscope is making it visible in some way. Yes. Yeah. That is literally the job of the oscilloscope. Yeah. In fact, that's what oscilloscope means. Thing that lets you see vibrations. If they called it that, they'd sell more of them. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to What the If, the show where we... Make things Mess up with on, reality. Yes. And we make it up on the spot. Yeah. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you're new, this is a game. It's a, this is actually a game show. We've never called it that. <laughs> but, well, that's true. There's even prizes. Yeah. Yeah. And there are prizes. In fact, we will have a prize for our special guest, uh, our special master ifer who made some master wonderful... Suggestions for ideas in a moment. We'll reveal who that is. Although if you listened to last week's episode, you already know. If you're that person, you already know. But the rest of you, hang on for one second. I just want to welcome you. Welcome you back if you've been here before. Welcome if you're new. I'm Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker and consumer of science. Hmm. How would you describe yourself, sir? I am a professor, a teacher, and I write about the history of science in my spare time. Excellent. In your spare time? By which I mean not spare time, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you're at NYU in beautiful Washington Square. This is true. The rainy, noisy Washington Square at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. The humidity. You know, I think we could probably take all our episodes where we talked about the humidity and just string that together and it would no, be, it would be an episode unto itself. It'd be kind of avant-garde. But <laughs> no, I like it. It'll be like one of those uh, theme episodes, like, wait, wait, don't tell me does all their animal bits or something. Oh, <laughs> best of us complaining about the heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you have not subscribed, do that. If you know how to do it, do it. If you don't, just go to iTunes or Google Play or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I've actually spoken to people who have never, this is the first podcast they've ever listened to. Oh, wow. Those people are my parents. And my dad said, can we pick it up? Oh, wow. <laughs> like That's a radio. School. I like that. Yeah. Can we pick that up? They always talk about our Einstein documentary, by the way. That's oh, nice. They like, to, they like to spread the word about, they like to brag about that to uh, all the other retired folk in Florida. <laughs> and I said, oh, you tell them about the podcast. I'm sure there's a number of science fans out there living in retirement, could be listening to podcasts. So if you figured out how to get this thing, thank you. Welcome. We have an amazing idea, a uh, suggestion this week, a wonderful one from Miguel Bento, who on Twitter is at the Pora, T-H-E-P-O-R-R-A, if you like the Send him a thank you after the show. Um, He's in South Africa, and he sent us this excellent suggestion for a topic. Uh, He also, he he sent many, actually, quite a few, which we'll be looking forward to doing in uh, future 
episodes. And by the way, Miguel, even though you're in South Africa, you could be on the moon, it doesn't matter. You have earned yourself a finger puppet of some science or science fiction character from the pantheon of legend, uh, from the uh, unemployed Philosopher's Guild, philosophersguild.com, makers of smart, funny gifts for smart, funny toys. Check them out. And they, they kindly donated to us a treasure trove. I have it here in a locked, well, it's sealed in a Hellman's mayonnaise jar on the porch of Funkin' Wagnalls. <laughs> oh, should we clarify that it's an empty mayonnaise jar? Is it? <laughs> true it's an empty mayonnaise jar uh and they are in there that that is a very deep cut for those old folks in the audience who remember johnny carson uh (laughs) here's miguel's idea let's get right to it miguel says question do wireless signals or radio waves of all types exist in all the space around us or are they more concentrated? That, yeah, that's an interesting question. In other words, is space is the space around us completely filled with you know? Are, is it oversaturated with radio uh, waves, or mm-hmm. are they concentrated in certain areas? Well, one way to figure that out would be if we could see the darn things. And he says, Miguel says, hashtag what the if? Yes, <laughs> best hashtag on the internet. Best way to do it. Way to do it. Hashtag what the if. We could actually see radio waves. Would our vision be totally consumed? Or would it appear more like tornadoes of spiraling matter everywhere? Whoa! That's a beautiful image. That is a beautiful image. Touche, Miguel Vento from South Africa. So, uh, what the if. What we do is we take these ideas, we take a question, and we try to keep it as limited as possible. So the only thing that's changed for, for, for our launching point of this game of What the If today is that we can see radio waves. Right. And now we must figure out using real science, and we're doing this now, we're doing this on the spot. We're not, we haven't planned this. We haven't this. planned this. You we're are terrible planners. Ter- <laughs> <laughs> you are with us on this journey. It is happening now exploration in the moment using the scientific method and the science fiction method where you ask a big question mm-hmm. so what do you think so if, if here's my first question if we can yeah. see radio waves my first question would be what are the ramifications of that like that means the radio waves are at a different frequency well explain explain why right, we, yeah, why do we so, not right. see radio we should, waves? yeah so we should talk a little bit about like what radio waves are and and what light is yeah what we see every day we call light and more specifically visible light that is light that we can see with our eyes and as that name suggests there's light we can't see and some of this you're already familiar with so you know ultraviolet light is light that you just barely can't see on the blue end of the spectrum, but you know it's there because it gives you sunburns. Oh. Right? Oh, see, now that's interesting. If it were in the visible spectrum, then it wouldn't give a sunburn? Well, I mean, that's kind of hard to say, but we, we know it's there because it gives us sunburns, even though we can't see it. 
Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've got infrared light, which is just a little too red for us to see, but we can feel it as radiant heat, like on our skin. Right. Oh, I see what you, yeah. So these are great examples of, we can't see them with our eyes, but we actually, we do feel them. We have a physical interaction. That's right. We can interact with them. But then as you extend the spectrum in both directions, it's harder and harder for our body to interact with those waves. So it becomes more difficult for us to, to sense them. Right. So if we keep going on the blue side, we're getting higher energy, shorter wavelength waves. Right. And I'll just, just so a rainbow, if you've seen mm -hmm. a rainbow, hopefully you have. If not, the next time yes. it's raining, but the sun is out a little bit, especially close to the horizon, run outside, look in the opposite direction of the sun, and you will very likely see a rainbow, yep. sometimes a double rainbow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Then you can go watch the Muppet movie too, which has a lot to say about yes. rainbows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful things about rainbows. In the colors we see, it's actually a full spectrum, but we've identified them by tradition, I guess, mm -hmm. red, right. Roy G. Biv. Right. Red, red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, and violet. Yeah. As you say, those are traditional divisions, but they're certainly not natural divisions, I guess that would be the, <laughs> the right word, right? So like, what's the boundary between indigo and violet? Nah, that's pretty arbitrary. And different cultures have different answers to this too. So, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, cultures divide up the, the spectrum into, into different colors too. Ah, what's one of the more radical difference? Traditionally, before Japan became westernized the way it is today, they had no green. Ah. Green was just a subcategory of blue. Now, maybe that's because they're like me, colorblind, to a very narrow range of colors between yellow and green. Pretty much very, very, very light green, what we call mint green or whatever, I don't mm -hmm. really see. So oh, interesting. Um, any radio waves that come into that frequency? Oh, right. <laughs> no, I can't tune them in. I can't listen. When we say that light is a wave, a question is sometimes asked is, what is it that's doing the waving? And the waving is electrical and magnetic fields, these bits of space that have electrical and magnetic properties wave their way through the universe. The length of those waves, we call the wavelength of the, the, of the radiation, would be the technical term. And when it's just the right length, then we can see it with our eyes or feel it with our skin. Right. And mm -hmm. so th this question of a, f a field is always a hard concept. To it's a metaphysically weird category. Yeah. Yeah. Does it mean that flecks of iron floating in space? No. It does not. It's a, an, a field is not a piece of matter. It's not tangible in that way, hmm. but it's a property of space itself. It is this intangible thing wow. that has an effect on the world around it. And this is where you need to recruit philosophers to try and explain exactly what a field is. But it physically affects uh, atoms. Yep. You can measure it. You can create it. You can manipulate it. It's, it's a real thing by any standard of realness. Do they know? Is it just that it's a very complicated explanation of how it... No, it's, it's that it is... A, uh, there's a sense in which this is the fundamental question at the root of quantum mechanics, which mm. is, is 
is is a field uh, is a field a particle? Is it a spatial thing? Is it some mathematical entity? And there's no clear answer to these questions. And you can start a good fight among physicists by asking. Wow. See, I, I think as I mentioned last week too, I'm always amazed to learn the things we don't know. Especially when it's a thing that like literally in some ways is staring you in the face. <laughs> Especially if we take Miguel's what the if fully. Right. <laughs> literally. Yeah. If we could see radio waves... Does that mean we could also see the field, the electromagnetic field? Right now, if you are seeing light, there's light coming off of my computer screen that is in a particular pattern that looks like you, right? Yes. Those are electromagnetic fields that I am seeing. When I say, I see the color of your shirt, well, that's just shorthand for there are cells in my eyes that are detecting a particular wavelength of electromagnetic radiation and telling my brain that that's happening. And then my brain says, oh, that particular jiggling of electromagnetic fields is what we usually call red. So you're seeing red. Right now this is okay. So this is to get really deep. <laughs> the question is color or even everything we see. Mm -hmm. It isn't actually real. Well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, as you said, that's a deep question. It's real. Um, it's, it's, it's vibrations. there's different kinds of answers, right? So right. Uh, color is real in the sense that there's a physical difference between red light and green light. And that difference is, is the size of the, the vibration of the electromagnetic field. We might say that we're reducing color to something else. So in that sense, you say color isn't real because what we think of as color is actually something else. There's a sense in which that's true, but color is such a useful category, even if it's not accurate to physics, that it would be silly to walk around. You know, if I, if I went into the gap and I said, I need to buy a shirt that reflects 6.4 nanometer electromagnetic radiation. <laughs> that's totally accurate, right? Yeah. That's, that's a more accurate way to describe what I want, but it won't get me my red shirt. Right, right. And we can say that we see the world because this is the way our body has evolved to react to it. And if we were built completely differently, then we might very well have evolved to see different frequencies than we see now. Yeah, quite easily. And that's the, the case, right? There's lots of animals and critters out there that see different parts of the spectrum right, right. than we do. So it's not at all difficult to imagine extending that out to radio waves. So radio waves are the same kind of jigglings of electromagnetic fields. They just have very long wavelengths. Visible light is something like nanometers, billionths, of a meter, mm. very short wavelengths, whereas radio waves are, say, meters or tens of meters long. Visible light is billions of times shorter wavelengths than radio waves. Right, right. And yeah. so, so Miguel's scenario would mean either that the spectrum that we see is shifted into a different place, or I think the easier thing for us to grasp would be let's just expand it 
so that we add, we see, we continue to see the visual world mm-hmm. as we see it, but we can also, we are, our eyes become more sensitive to, well, radio waves in particular, he's asking. So yeah, now he also says Wi-Fi, it, well, Wi-Fi is up in the microwave. There's a problem of nomenclature here, which is that 120 years ago, when humans first start manipulating these long wavelength uh, waves, uh, when we first start inventing radio, uh, radio gets used to describe kind of everything in the long wavelength part of the spectrum. Ah, everything below just, red. That's right. They just didn't understand it very well. Right. So then microwaves is a way when they realize that those waves are significantly smaller than some other kinds of radio waves, hence micro. So microwaves are actually pretty big. <laughs> they're like, you know, they're, they're a few inches long. So compared to visible light, they're enormous, right? They're still billions of times larger than red, uh-huh. but they're smaller than big radio waves. So we call them microwaves. How confusing is oh, that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Literally up until this moment, I thought that the microwave were in the higher, were above blue. Oh, uh, no, the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So microwave simply means just below red. Well, the, depending on how you define just, but yes, past, past infrared. Yeah. It's on that side of the spectrum. As we dial down from, from red lower and lower, we, we would then first tune into microwaves before we tune into what we call radio waves, what we use for the broadcast radio, for instance. Right, yeah. So if we say something like, what if we could see radio waves, we're actually talking about an enormous variety of things. So if we mean microwaves, that's one thing. If we mean AM radio, that's another. If we mean FM radio, that's another. So we can can hand wave that a little bit. Right, and interesting thing is, In the visual spectrum, we don't see the waves. (laughs) We don't see the waving. Yeah, right. So presumably, it would be the same for the radio waves, too. We wouldn't see the oscillations, per se, but a source of radio waves, like a Wi-Fi router, would look bright to us, the same way that a light bulb looks bright. Right. And in fact, this is, that's not even a what the if, that's, that exists. You can look at, you know, we have cameras that are sensitive to uh, infrared but Miguel's question is is really trippy. Yeah. Would it appear like tornadoes of spiraling matter? Yes. <laughs> so here's a question I've always had. Go, let's we'll, we'll break this down. We we'll begin at the simplest level. We all we all can imagine what a wave looks like a a line that goes up and down, curves up and down like mountains. Mm-hmm. Oscillates. Yeah. The wavelength is really just the distance from peak to peak, or valley to valley, or any part of the oscillation to the next equal part of the neck, right? Yes, that's right. Right. Yeah. So 1010 wins. Big radio station in New York. The big news. From the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a good example. So 1010 wins, broadcasting from the top of the Empire State Building. So 1010 means what? 1010 would be the length of the wave. Um, so presumably 1010 means it's, uh, the, the wavelength is 1,000 meters long. Oh, right. And it's, it's AM radio, so it, it's like 1010 megahertz? Um, I would have to check, but yeah. pr- that's usually how it's calibrated, yeah. Right. So let's yeah. say, let's, for the sake of example, let's say, so it's 1,000 meters, uh, 1,010 
Uh, or a thousand mm -hmm. meters and yeah. ten, ten yeah, thousand meters. Yeah. Um, oh, or a thousand ten meters. Mm -hmm. So that means we see it. Now, first of all, the radio waves go out in all. Oh, so here's, here's a question. Is it a beam? <laughs> like, that's how I imagine it. And I think that's the way. Um, but is it more a, like that's ripples? That's a good question. So it's yeah. um, the radio waves will obey the same general laws of optics that light does. Mm -hmm. So if I take a light bulb, and I turn it on, light goes in all directions, sort of in a, a sphere going out, right. and it gets progressively dimmer the further away you get. And we call, we call that the inverse square law. So if I get twice as far away, it gets four times as dim. Um, and then I can do weird stuff with a light bulb too, like put a mirror behind it or you know, make a, mm. a car headlight style reflector mm -hmm. that forces it to go in a particular direction. Right. Right. So all those things are also true for radio waves. So if I have just a general antenna, that's like a light bulb. So when we say broadcast, that's what we mean, actually, is that the waves are being sent out in all directions. Right. So actually, what we would see is that line we think of as a wave, the oscillating green line like you would see on an oscilloscope or an EKG or something is actually just a cross-section of what really exists. Is that right? Yeah, that's one way to think about it. That it's uh, like ripple, ripples That's right. It's coming ripples out going, from the Empire State. Ripples going out from the source. And it would be a little weird for us to have evolved to be able to see the ripples themselves in the same way that we don't see the ripples of light, of visible light, of red and blue. Right. Because that's not so helpful. So... It's, it's likely that our eyes would have evolved to just sense the presence of the wave rather than the waviness of the wave. So when you look up at the Empire State Building, you wouldn't see rapid flickering as the waves go by, as the radio waves go by. Right. You would probably just see a glow. Right. But if you could actually see into the structure, you would see, like imagine if you could s slow it down. So let's say even with your own eyes that it's so fast we don't it, just looking at it we don't see it. But if it, if the if the waves were visible, if we had a camera that could see the waves themselves, mm -hmm. and you could film, you know, you you pick up your phone and hit the uh, awesome trippy I can see anything app, uh, and give it access to your camera and your GPS and your contacts and. <laughs> everything else about you, point it at the Empire State Building and film it and then play it back very, very slowly, you would see, I mean, here's the weird thing. It's really a sphere. It's not just like ripples on a pond. It's three-dimensional globe of waves. Yeah, all extending. Yeah. It's not sound waves, but sound waves would be pressure waves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, they, but the waves... Uh, but the waves behave similarly regardless of what they're made of. Right. So sound is a good analogy. So you would actually see then a, it would look like a ball expanding and shrinking. For instance, if you were to follow one word and the guy says, from the top, and that first word, the top, <laughs> comes out of the antenna on top of the Empire State Building, you would see like a let's say a glow glowing red ball and yeah. it would 
expand and contract and expand and contract and expand and contract as it gets and get bigger as it comes to towards you? It would be, uh, you wouldn't see anything until the edge of the wave hit you and then it would suddenly be bright for the length of that word and then fade again. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So in that sense, maybe like, uh, it would look a little like those old, um, uh, light signals. What do you call those? Where you do those in Morse code. Right. Right. Morse code. Yeah. Really what's happening there is you hear the word come out of your radio top and it's, it's just whatever your eardrum is doing, your eyes would have some interaction that also like, so like people who have right. synesthesia, Oh yeah, <laughs> which is so cool. Those are people who the wires are a little crossed or something or wh- who knows what in the brain. Yeah. I don't think we really understand what's happening. Yeah. But uh, Oliver Sacks wrote about this. <laughs> but they see sounds, for instance. Or hear colors. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's awesome. There, there's something about the, they, the senses get crossed up, so it's what tastes purple. Right, right. Yeah. Now, Miguel's question, I, I really like, I'm going to take it all the way, is, mm-hmm. is that not just that you only see it as it interacts with your eyes, but we do see the whole structure. And it's it's a pretty close equivalence to say if you were in the ocean and, you know, there's all these fish moving around all over the place, every one of them is making ripples or, you know, is making waves under the water, mm-hmm. right? It'd be like that, right? You would see these things coming at you from all directions. But this is an interesting thing. That's how it is with light, regular visible light right now, Mm. right? You're surrounded by light. And the fact that you can turn your head around and see everything around you is because you are surrounded by visible light, right? So the space that you're sitting in right now is full of waves of those particular lengths that you can see. So uh, when you say something like, I see my cat, what you mean is there are waves of the correct wavelength present bouncing off my cat and then hitting my eyes. Right. We don't usually think about the light itself, but rather the information that the light conveys to us about our environment. Kind of like if if we couldn't see, you can't actually see the wind for instance. And if you were inside and not feeling the wind, you could look out the window and see a flag waving like crazy. You know it's windy, but you're only seeing it because it's interacting with something else. Yeah. So radio. So if we could see radio waves, it would probably be the same sort of thing. You wouldn't be watching for the individual wave, but rather you would notice when it bounces off something and then comes to your eyes. Right, right. But I'm gonna. It, it, here's our game. We go as specific and literal as possible with the idea, and so we do see the waves. Now, first, I'm going to say that if any creatures had evolved over all the total course of li- life on Earth evolution and could see all these waves, I think they died out because it was so trippy 
<laughs> that like they didn't go anywhere. They didn't even bother to eat. Right? They were just like hypnotized, like whoa, and we died. <laughs> well, there's um, I should say there's good reasons that, uh, as far as we know, no animals evolved to see radio waves, and it's probably not because of the trippiness, uh -huh. but rather just because the sun is relatively dim in radio waves. Right. So. Uh, whereas it gives off a lot of yellow light. So most animals evolved to see the yellow part of the spectrum because there's a lot of energy available there. Right. Like actually we, the sun, it's funny, we think of the sun as something different and distant and disconnected from us aside from feeling its warmth or whatever. But actually we are part of the a system. Like we see what we see because that's the kinds of light kinds of energy the sun puts out right yeah that's not an arbitrary choice yeah right so we're looking around and say in your living room, i don't know where your wi-fi router is yes in the other room in the okay <laughs> all right okay so that's an interesting thing so you can still get so if you look at the wall behind which your wi-fi router is right that wall would be glowing a bit in radio waves yes because the radio waves are coming through it right. in that way. Whereas if you look at the far wall, you'll get some reflected radio waves. So it would be slightly glowing. But you could tell which way the router was. Right. And if you could actually see the waves, I realize it would probably look like a cone. Right? Well, it'll be expanding out in a sphere from the, from the router. And then as it gets blocked by other stuff. Um, the shape will change. Here's another way to imagine uh, Miguel's question is that we, we know, you know, oh man, I love oscilloscopes. And when I was a kid, like I bought one, <laughs> I didn't, I could barely know, I didn't have any actual use for it, but it was, I learned to play with it and learned a lot about waves and music. Actually, I used to play music into it. Everyone's familiar with looking at the screen and seeing the line go up and down. Or even, it's funny because on the news now, there's a lot of stuff where they're playing audio tapes and on the news. And so they create a graphic that shows, you know, like an audio meter lines going up and down. Right. Yeah. The oscilloscope is making it visible in some yes, way. Yes. Yeah. That is literally the job of the oscilloscope. Yeah. In fact, that's what oscilloscope means. Thing that lets you see vibrations. If they called it that, they'd sell more of them. <laughs> <laughs> the visual vibration box. If our eyes were oscilloscopes, if I turned around and looked at the part of the wall where the waves from the Wi-Fi router are coming in this direction, it would look like a cone of uh, rippling green lines. Rippling, yeah, rippling light. Color becomes difficult because then our brain has to associate new things with that particular wavelength. Right, right. So I'm, I'm just, I'm adding, well, let's say it was red. I'm just going to say that, that the way this worked was with the, the way we, we were able to evolve in this amazing scenario where we could see waves. It was that we had basic, whatever an oscilloscope does, that was in our brain. And so we see this red cone, a cone, because it's sort of, as it gets farther from the antenna, that it spreads out. Yeah, so one thing that would be fun to do would be every time you sent a text, you could watch it leave your phone. Right. Right? That'd be fun. 
That'd be amazing. <laughs> and actually, just like on the streets of New York, you stand there and watch people send texts. Right, everything zipping out from their phone. That'd be fun to watch. And so, what would you see? You would see a pulse of light from each phone as it sent out the signal. Zip, zip. And you could see where you know the the reason cell phones work is because there are these cell phones towers, cell phone towers placed all over the place, which normally we don't see. We don't notice that they're there, but you would see pulses of light going in and out of those on a regular basis. So that'd be kind of fun. There's a classic one in Los Angeles, right by the 10, I think it is one of the big freeways. It looks like a giant palm tree, but it's not real. Oh yeah, the fake trees are, are pretty funny, yeah. There's an interesting side effect of seeing radio waves, which I'm, I'm fond of. Our eyes don't just sense light, but they focus it, right? Mm, mm-hmm. My eyes are bad at that, so I have to wear glasses. Right. Fine. Okay. If I don't wear my glasses, then my eyes don't focus the light properly and everything looks blurry. Mm. Okay. Mm. It turns out there's an inherent amount of blurriness you get with any lens. It's called the diffraction limit. Mm. Okay. The most perfect lens you make will still have a little bit of fuzziness. And this is a side effect of the wave nature of light is that there's always a little fuzziness in the image. Mm. But usually the fuzziness is so small that you barely notice it. But here's the thing. That inherent fuzziness is a function of the wavelength of light. The longer the wavelength is, the more inherent fuzziness there is. There's a hard limit on how sharp a red image can be, and it's blurrier than the hard limit for blue. And that has nothing to do, there's no way around that. That's right. This is, this is a built-into-the-universe problem. The most perfect lens you can get will still have this problem. And generally, the solution is if you make a bigger lens, then you get less inherent fuzziness. So this is why bigger lenses are better. Ah. at the end of the day. So creatures that evolved to be able to do this have enormous eyes. That's right. They would have to. And it would still be pretty blurry. So radio waves, if you're seeing radio waves, you will see inherently blurrier than if you see visible waves. Wow. If creatures evolved that saw in the ultraviolet, their eyes could be very small. Yep, that's right. And, And they would see more precisely as well. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Now, here, here's one fundamental question I've always had. Going back to 1010 winds, radio waves emanating from the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> if it's 1,010 meters from one oscillation is 1,010 meters long. Mm-hmm. Huge. Right. That's actually taller than the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long wave. Yeah. Right. That would be three, uh, yeah, that'd be like a 300-story building. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. How high is it? What is the, the amplitude of that radio wave? This is an important question that's not easy to answer conceptually. So the amplitude, so when we talk about the amplitude of a wave, if you're thinking of like an ocean wave, we mean how high the wave is, mm-hmm. right? How much does it go up and down? Right. 
for electromagnetic waves like light, the, it's not a physical extension, but rather the amplitude is the intensity of the electromagnetic force. Ah, oh, so this is where the oscilloscope is really lying to you. Right. Exactly right. Yes, the oscilloscope is definitely lying to you. All this time. It's translating the, the strength of the electromagnetic field into a visual displacement so you can see it. Okay, cool. So that, that's actually, a little, it, actually weirdly easier to imagine that what's coming out of the Empire State Building is we would see a sphere growing out from it and it would be brighter or dimmer based on the words. Actually, it would be like you can look at a speaker. You can watch a physical speaker vibrating, mm -hmm. right, as it, puts, as it puts out sound. And the vibrations of that speaker is kind of what we would see, right? Something like that. That like this sphere coming out of the Empire State Building would be like vibrating like crazy and changing its vibrations depending on the word. This is where the analogy to sound starts to break down a little bit. So sound is what's called a longitudinal wave. So the, the vibration is along the axis of the wave as opposed to a transverse wave like light where it vibrates perpendicular. Sorry, I dropped a whole bunch Ooh. of technical words there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Um, uh, so yeah. I just got stabbed in my perpendicular. The last question is taking it, taking it all the way. Would it appear like tornadoes of spiraling matter everywhere. So it would appear like matter in the sense that what we see with our eyes we think is made of matter, but in this case wouldn't necessarily be. Oh, oh, actually, I just had an idea. When you look at a road, like long, you're on a hot road and you look in the distance and you see that rippling in the air, that mirage, I wonder if that's what we would see, like these waves doing. It'd be something weird like that. Yeah, I think it would be glowy mirage type things right. um, because there isn't matter to see. It won't look like dust in the air or matter in a tornado, but rather this glowing fluid sort of stuff. Right. Are we being saturated? with waves outside the visual spectrum, both below and above. Yep, yep. You're, you're swimming in them right now. You just have no idea they're there. Right. So if you could see all of them, is it like you'd be, it'd be so dense that you couldn't really see? Yeah, it would be hard to process information. Um, and like in fact, fog. This is, that's right. This is a problem, actually. So like a lot of digital cameras are sensitive to the infrared, uh, part of the spectrum, they can see infrared light. Right. But if you just include that in the pictures you take from the digital camera, the picture doesn't look right because we're not used to seeing the infrared. Right. Plus you see the ghost behind the person. <laughs> <laughs> so most digital cameras have a filter on them to prevent you from seeing the infrared light. Oh, interesting. In fact, on the old, old style camcorders, the, the IR filter was actually a big chunk of plastic so you could see it very easily and you could take it off and suddenly you had an infrared camera. Wow. So it isn't that they put the infrared in there because they thought it would be a cool feature. It's that they it just... They strip it away. Yeah. And an important part of building any kind of 
detector device, be it a, a radio antenna or a digital camera, is choosing what not to show. Because if you show everything, then you get that's too much information for your brain. So typically you choose the, the specific thing you want to look for and cut everything else out. So it's hard to give real density to these to the waves and whatever to say how thick is the fog around you. But it is true you would it, there would just be so if they were colors, it'd just be like all kinds, right? That you're um, it'd even be hard to identify specific ones. There's so many. So like, so here's here are the sources people may not know. Or just specifically, what are some of the sources that are flying around us for radio waves? Yeah, your phone, your laptop. If your microwave is running, every electrical cord and cable <laughs> will be generating <laughs> a little bit of it. Those of us who are old enough to remember the, the days of television, where you had like rabbit ear antennas. Yeah. Every time you were adjusting the antennas and you would get a little bit of fuzziness, that fuzziness is stray, ra stray radio waves that we would be able to see. Ah, wow. And in fact, those, if anybody has an old style TV, <laughs> you can, if you tune it to nothing, then you will see things come and go on the screen. And those are the kind of stray radio waves that will. So when you turn on the, the microwave, you will see the screen flash for a moment. Wow. And so if we had a super fast time lapse, we used a camera that could see all these frequencies. And it's filming kind of, it's, let's say it's a satellite looking down on the world. There would be n nothing but natural sources. So maybe the sun or whatever, creating some glow. But like as soon as Marconi, or as soon as Edison... As soon as electricity was invented. That's right. As soon as electricity starts being used regularly, then everything will light up. And, right. And not from, just from the light bulbs, but from the... From the radio waves. Yeah. The radio right. waves so, that are coming from all the wires and the generators. That's right. All of that crud generates radio waves of, of some frequency and some intensity. Wow. Uh, so we'll get this huge amount of background electric chatter and this was a, a huge problem when astronomers invent radio telescopes and they're trying to listen to the universe because there's all of this background noise going on so that's really what like radio astronomers spend their time doing is filtering out all of this crud that we unintentionally generate right oh right it's earth it's human generated Yep. stuff that gets in the way of their Earth-based telescope. Yeah, that's right. In fact, there's this great scene in Contact, uh, the movie with Jodie Foster, yes. um, when they first receive the signal, is they, they go through the list. The very first thing they say is, oh, it's a satellite. And then they say, oh, it's an aircraft. And then they say, oh, it's somebody running an experiment. And in reality, that list is thousands of things long, right? Because they, yeah. they have to get rid of every plane at every airport and every radio station that's broadcasting and every television station that's broadcasting. And then the reflection of the radio station from the airplanes and so on. It's this unbelievably tedious task to, to sort all these things out. And then hopefully at the end of the day, you have one nice sharp signal. You narrow it down to one of the tornadoes spiraling around you of waves, as Miguel says. Awesome, wow, this could really, this could go on and on, but I, I'm 
I, I feel like I need to just sit in a room with a lava lamp and the black light on <laughs> <laughs> to really appreciate this. Amazing. What a great question. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good one. What a great question. So, Miguel Bento, and we're going to get a finger puppet your way. From the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> Whatever the building is in your Empire State Building in South Africa. Matt, thank you, as always. Dear listeners, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that trippy. Here's the fun thing, too, is that we, we're not on the radio, but we, we using only audio, we explored a visual <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, there were some complications here. Yeah. Very meta there. Thank you for playing, everybody. Thank you for playing What the Hit with us. Send in your ideas. What are some weird, very basic things you've always wondered or wanted to see or wanted to feel. Two weeks ago, we had an amazing episode with uh, Dr. Kiki Kirsten Sanford, who is an expert on bird brains, who helped us become birds and see and feel the world as if we were adorable killer birds. Go to our website and you can see all these other episodes and you can hear them. (laughs) So this is a problem (laughs) because I work in yeah, film and video, I always say you can see. But in Miguel's scenario, you can see all these episodes. <laughs> you can also listen to them. Whattheif.com. If you would be so kind as to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. If you absolutely, you just can't, even if you don't use iTunes, it's great to put a review there because that's actually what all the other services pull from. So. It's this weird monopoly thing. If you can't, or if you would also leave a review on on whatever service you use, Podbean or any of those, if they feature their own reviews, that's fantastic too. Help! We're just trying to expand the audience because we want to spread a little education about science while also having a lot of fun. I think more fun in the world and more science in the world, that's a better world. Yeah, I hope so. Next week, we have no idea what we're going to do. But it's going to be amazing. And when we see the idea coming towards us out of the generator, the enormous idea radio generator we have in the basement of the What the If (laughs) Tower. In the basement of the Empire State Building. As it comes towards us. We see a weird, glowing, rippling thing. And just before it hits us, we run for our lives and we scream, What, what the, the if? if, if, if. if. Bye now. <laughs>